Man, how's everybody doing today? Are you guys doing good or what? Awesome. What a day, man. Our first gathering here, I want to tell you something. It was so holy, man. At the end, we were able uh, to pray with uh, Major Ben Smith. He's a pilot in the Air Force and uh, flying out tomorrow at 6 a.m. And it was just an incredible gathering. We know that God has a, another incredible gathering in store for us today. And, but it was just so cool to pray with him and to know that no matter where we go, no matter where we go, that God's with us. Isn't that awesome? That just encourage your heart. You gotta go take a test. You gotta go to school. You gotta go to a new job. Whatever it is, that nothing can separate us from God's love and nothing can separate us from his presence. And so my name's Tim and I'm the pastor at Momentum. And it's a privilege for you to be here and me to be here today in God's presence. But it's a privilege for, for me, for you guys to be here. And I wanna say thank you because I know so many of you, you, you come and you've been coming for a while and, and uh, you know, without people, it's hard to have a church. And uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for believing in the God that we believe in and the mission that God has given us. And uh, God's the hero of this story. We're not taking any glory. Everything that is accomplished here is because of Jesus. And we give thanks to God. We really believe that. And then if you're here as a first-time guest, I really wanna say it's our honor and privilege for you to be here, as Tyler mentioned but we mean that. We're not just saying that because, man, are you kidding me? You could have been a million places today doing a million different things. And the fact that you would come here really gets us motivated. So thank you for coming. And, and it's our prayer that you just relax, have fun, laugh. Um, there's a thought, right? Laugh at church, have fun. And uh, that God will, will speak to your heart. That God will connect his truth to your heart. Because when God's truth intersects our heart, um, we, we believe that life change happens, and we're really excited about that. So just a, just a quick little shout out there. Um, man, what a, great, what a great week and great weekend, and um, I'm just excited. I, I told the first gathering this. I would rather be here than anywhere. That's the truth. I love vacation. When vacation, com- vacation time comes, I'm thankful. Nothing better than getting away. Nothing better than unplugging. I like to have fun. Any of y'all like to watch movies? Like to watch movies? Anybody? Okay. Y'all were scaring me there for a minute, man. Um, you know, I got to go um, Friday night with some friends, and, and we got to go to something that was really cool, and, and uh, that was a great time, and just fun. Got to watch some MMA. That, that was awesome, and I uh, love that, man. Saturday, got to be with my family, watch a little football, thankful for that, and uh, that was good. But man, when it comes time to Sunday, there's nothing greater Nothing greater for me than to be with my family and, and be together, all pointing in one direction, and that's up. Just say, God, we're here, man. We love you, and we're just here with an overflow of what you've done for us and just to celebrate God. That's what momentum's all about. It's about celebrating God's goodness and getting the word out because he really, he really is a good God. And when you taste and you see that he's good, watch out, man. You're going to follow him all the days of your life. So that's what it's about. And um, today we're in James and we're starting another new little mini series, but we're in the book of James. And if you don't know, James was a half-brother of Jesus. And uh, it was just absolutely um, a phenomenal story. And I love that God put this in here because God didn't just put all like perfect people in the Bible. Aren't you thankful for that? God put like real people in the Bible. Like I can identify with screw-ups. Can you... I can identify with some screw-ups, man, because I'm a screw-up, man. I mess up. I'm broken. I'm not perfect. I don't got it all together. You know, we say here at Momentum, we, we are not 
we're not, no one here is perfect. So if you're perfect, man, you probably want to go somewhere else. And, and please do it soon because we don't want you to, to screw us up. But uh, we, we, uh, we are not perfect. We're just forgiven. And, and there's something about forgiveness that's addicting and life-changing and empowering and just total grace consuming my life and your life. We're on this adventure together, and James certainly was, because for so many years of the stepbrother of Jesus, James didn't accept, he didn't embrace, he didn't buy into, he didn't subscribe to Jesus being God. He did not do that. He refused, he rejected, he stiff-armed, right? Some NFL today, right? Y'all excited about that? He stiff-armed the fact that Jesus said he was the son of God. He didn't believe that. Like, you named Jesus, but I don't believe that. And yet, that is the very person that Jesus appears to after the resurrection. Now, if you don't know, I got to tell you real quick. Here's the gospel. This is huge. But the gospel is a beautiful story. And if we start with, you're a sinner, we screwed up. Because that's not where God started. God started in the Garden of Eden and said everything was good. And he's like, wait a second. Uh, I, think God, I think man needs a little help over here. We better make a woman. And then maybe God said better, right? And then all of a sudden there's a woman. And then God says, you know what, man, woman, everything creation, bam, this is great. Seventh day, I'm resting. And everything's good. It's good. But it didn't stay good, did it? It didn't stay good because the Bible says that the devil in the form of a serpent tempted Eve with, we always say an apple, you know, I love apple products, right? Um, we always say an apple, but we don't know what kind of fruit it was, but he came and he convinced her. The Bible says he deceived her, he tricked her into taking that fruit, and she did. The problem was that Adam was standing right next to her in the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew language, the, the, the word literally means that, that he was shoulder to shoulder. Like, I always wondered, was he golfing? What was he doing? I mean, what, what, seriously, like, where was he? Was he fishing? Did he miss that moment? But no, he was right there, and he totally wussed out. He totally went limp. He totally became a poser for the rest of the journey starting right then because you know what he did? He got afraid and didn't do anything. He didn't speak up. He didn't lead. He wussed out. He got quiet. He didn't say, no, that would hurt our family. No, we can't do that. God said this. And I just want to challenge you as fathers and husbands, as boyfriends, fiancés here today to the men of this church. I want to challenge us to lead and to lead well and to lead right, to do right till the stars fall. You with me? And to speak up and to step up and to stand out, not to be afraid. Not to be afraid. And so but the gospel goes that, man, the, the sin entered the world and it messed everything up. And that's why there are children that have been murdered by chemical weapons. We see pictures on the internet and on the news and we look at these little babies and it breaks our heart. All goes back to sin. But God didn't want sin to rule. So God said, you know what? I'm gonna pay for sin. And God owned it. It literally took on it, took ownership of our sin, and he became sin, and he had never sinned so that we could be made right with God. That is the gospel. That's the good news. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I've never really understood, the, the good news is you, because of sin, there was a chasm between us and God. But God shut that chasm through Jesus Christ. God crossed 
the bridge, the great divide through Jesus. And we have life and we have hope. And James did not believe in that until the resurrection. Until the resurrection. Because here now Jesus was alive. And I want to tell you, I don't know, you may be here and say, I don't buy into that. Man, that's cool. I love this church. The music rocks. I love that, Tim. I love you. And hopefully, you, you know, you do. I don't know. But you say, you know, that, all that stuff is cool. But man, I'm just not buying into the whole Jesus thing. That's okay. You, you don't have to be like us to be loved by us, to be accepted. We just believe that one day God will open your eyes and that you'll see that there's a God who has loved you forever and it's the greatest intimate love relationship you can ever have. And that's amazing. That's why we call it grace. And so here's what's so cool. Here's what's so cool is that Jesus appears to his stepbrother, right, who, who had kind of refused him. He appears to him and he still has the scars and the wounds, actually, the Bible says. They're fresh. And, and they said, you know what? We've, we've listened to all this Jesus stuff. We're sick and tired of all this Jesus crap. So we finally killed him. And now we're gonna put the biggest stone we can find in front of his grave. And we're gonna put the biggest, strongest dudes in front of that. We're gonna make sure no one steals his body because then they'll keep doing this Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're tired of this Jesus stuff. And, and then three days later, everybody found out that you can't keep a good man down. And Jesus got up, and there wasn't no stone big enough, and there wasn't no dude bad enough to keep Jesus from walking out. In fact, I'm not sure if they had underwear back then or not. I hope so, because I promise you some of those guards, they probably had diarrhea that morning, because they were, they were up there, and the Bible says they fell as dead men. They were so afraid, they turned jello, and they fell as dead. The Bible says they became as dead men. If you're alive, but you become as a dead man, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And Jesus came out victorious. And he didn't come out to start pointing his finger at people and screaming and condemning and just like electrifying, electrocuting, striking everyone with light. He didn't do that. He came to show people that he's touchable. He's real. He's reachable. And he's pursuing you. And he pursued James. And he came to James and he came to him and he showed him. He appeared to James. James had stiff-armed, remember? And he appears. And now James writes this book in the Bible, one of my favorite. It's filled with wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's the start of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. And that doesn't mean you walk away always afraid of God, man. If I, I don't know, I don't. That's not the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is that we understand that He is God. We understand this is His text message to us. We understand we desperately need Him in our life because without Him, we are lost. Without Him, we are broken. Without Him, we are confused. Without Him, we're less than we were created to be. And he comes to James, and he doesn't say, I told you so. He didn't do that. He'd be like, boy, I'm fixing to slap you down. You believe me now? He didn't do that. He didn't bow up. He didn't fill with pride like we probably would have. How you like me now? <laughs> he didn't do that. He came humble and appeared, and it transformed James' life because all of a sudden, James saw the light, and he, he believed. Have you believed? I'm not talking about just like right here, believed, but have you really believed to the point that you are a Jesus follower? We say here at Momentum, and this is the truth, it's who we are, that we're a community 
of Jesus' followers. That means he's the leader. That means we're going whichever way he's going. He calls the shots. You can have a real relationship with him. If you just take, he's already taken the initiative to get to know you. Just receive it. Just invest some of your time, right, with him. And James totally, his life transformed to the point that James becomes a pastor at the, the, the church, the mega church in Jerusalem, and people that were being persecuted for their faith, they were being murdered, executed, thrown to lions. And they were coming by the droves to put their faith in Jesus. And now he's a pastor of these people, and they're being, they're being persecuted big time, and now he has something to say, because he lived with Jesus. He knows what it's like to be an unbeliever. Aren't you thankful, man, that God accepts unbelievers? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that, that God loves us even when we didn't believe? And you may believe in Jesus and he's your savior today, but on some level, don't we all struggle with unbelief in an area or another? I'm so thankful that his grace trumps all that, makes up the difference. And James begins to pen some powerful words that are life-changing for you and for me today in 2013. Today, James is gonna lead us to the most potent, powerful, strong, explosive, life-giving, death-cursing thing out there. You say, man, what is that? Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think the most powerful thing in the world is? I know God, you don't have to say God, we know God is, but... But ultimately, what do you think, man, is the most powerful thing out there? What, what, what is it? Anyone shout out? What? The mouth? Love? I think it's the tongue. I think love's powerful, but, and, and I know love can be expressed in, in actions, but, but the tongue, James is going to show us is the most powerful thing. And if you can control the tongue, you can control anything. Wouldn't you like to be in control? Wouldn't you like that? How many guys like control? Anyone here, you love control. Would you raise your hand and just kind of confess? Kind of confess today. Anyone here, you like control? Right? Awesome. Dylan, will you forgive me if I give you a shout out here? Is that all right? You like control that fight from beginning to end. He didn't have a chance. I didn't think he was going to get back in the ropes when you knocked him out. But he came back and you controlled that thing. You dominated. That's what we like to do, man. We, right? And sometimes we do that and, and, and we ought to be responsible, right? We ought to be responsible in our life. We ought to, there's some things we ought to control. We ought to lead. Absolutely. I think in our generation, I, I think about, you know, remote as this series and and uh, whoop, there goes the mic, remotes this series. And I, I think about how many remotes I have in my house. Man, that's my kids' remotes to a bobcat. It's really cool, man. Does some cool stuff. And uh, we got that remote. And, and then we got a remote to a DVR, man. Isn't that cool, man? You can, you, can um, you know, like yesterday, I, I missed some games, so I just recorded them. That was awesome. Just record them like, boop. Oh, yep, I'll watch you later. Boop, got you, you know. And I could be somewhere else and not have to worry about it. We didn't have that several years ago. What we had growing up, my mom's here today. Mom, would you raise your hand? I want y'all to give her applause. applause. She's an awesome woman, loves God. She taught me a lot about Jesus, and I love you, Mom. And I thank you so much. But here's, here's what's incredible growing up. This is a throwback for you. But growing up, you know what? We didn't have DVR. We didn't have cable. We didn't have all that stuff. We had a TV. 
We had a little TV, and we had the bunny ears, right? You remember that? We had the bunny ears on the TV, and you could, you could put the uh, tinfoil on them. You remember that? And then we had brothers and sisters, and we did things like wash the dishes, man. We were the dishwasher, and, and we, did, we were talented. We could do more than dishwashing. We could actually hold the antenna in a certain position so that we could get one of the three or four channels. It's like, no, 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 move it back. Move it back over to the left, right, right there. Now, don't move. Okay, now hold that for like 30 minutes. This is only 30 minutes, right? Okay, you got that, Christy. You got that, you know? And we didn't have all the high-tech stuff that we do today, but you know what? So many remotes in my house, man. You got a TV remote, man, remote from your phone, right? I mean, you, right, if you're tech, real, real techie, you can be somewhere else. You got an app on your phone. You're just a couple touches from recording at your house when you're a long ways away. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm thankful for that, man. We like control, the remote, man. I, I like it. I, this week, um, my youngest son is Gavin. He's three. And uh, Gavin, Gavin challenged me to Mario Karts. Now, I want to tell you something. It's bad enough. I got a third grader in the house who smokes me bad every time. And it's really bad. And it's, it's gone mental because I can't beat him. And I'm like, this is horrible. I'm 37. I shouldn't be allowing a third grader to smoke me. And I think the saying at our house, I said smoke my butt earlier. But I think the saying at our house is like, I'm going to smoke your tail. I think that's what it was. So, so uh, this week, Gavin challenged me. He called me out, three years old. And he said, Day. And all of a sudden, he's three, right? And all of a sudden, he starts talking. He's saying all these words together. He's just like chatterbox now. It's awesome. And, and he says, Daddy, I play you Mario Karts. I smoke your tail. <laughs> I smoke your tail. And I played him. And he smoked my tail. He, he beat me. So, you know, you, you know it's bad when you're like, son, I don't care if it's one in the morning. We're playing till I, till I beat you. But, uh, but no, we, we had some fun. But so many remotes for different stuff. I want you to know today that your tongue is the remote of your body. Your tongue is the remote of your life. And if you will hear God's word written through his servant James, the half-brother of Jesus today, then we can really put our arms around some real truth that can help you out of any situation you're in. I don't care if it's relationally, I don't care if it's financially, I don't care if it's physically, your tongue is a trigger. And when you pull that trigger, you can't take it back. And James is gonna shed a whole lot of wisdom here. So let's look at James chapter three. Let's look at James chapter three. We're gonna read the first um, couple verses. Right before we do, I'm gonna say something. You finish the... uh, You finish it for me. Ready? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that? They were a liar, weren't they? Like that rhyme, man, good stuff. Been a cool rap. Just ain't true, right? Mark Twain said the difference between the right word and almost the right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. We better get control of our tongues. Let's look what... James has to say, James chapter three. It's on the screens. If you have your iPads, got your iPhones, smartphones, got the Bible, pull it up. Let's read this together. This is powerful. James three is talking about when we open our mouths. Here we go. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is a highly responsible work. And then it tells us why. Because teachers are held to the strictest standards. You know what motivates me to stay pure 
and to stay right and to stay humble. You know what motivates me is the fact that one day I will give an account of my life to Jesus. And if you're a Christian, one day you will give an account of your life to Jesus. Isn't that crazy thinking? Like, I'm really going to stand in front of the one that made everything from his mouth? You talk about a powerful tongue. He created everything with his words. Did you know that you create too? Do you know that your words and my words, our words, create either life or death? Look what it says here. It says, none of us is perfectly qualified. That's why it's so important that you're in the word. So that when someone else says, yeah, I was listening to this, or I heard this about the Bible, or I think Jesus this, you, you know what the Bible says. Someone once told me, man, they're like, man, I was on the couch, it was crazy. They're like, I was on the couch, and then all, I was like, dude, all of a sudden, it was like Jesus was there, and Jesus was there in my living room, and you know, I thought Mary Jane might have something to do with it, but, but um, this person was absolutely convinced that he saw Jesus, and I was absolutely convinced he was smoking something. Because the Bible says that no man's seen Jesus at any time. You with me? So if I know the word of God, then when other people say, I, I, I know how to filter, because so much of the tongue isn't right. And it says this, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. And if we could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect Say the word with me, control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. And a small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. Oh, now, I highlight this. If I were you, I'd highlight this verse. It's powerful here. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it we would be wise to memorize this verse. Not just like read it, not just highlight it, underline it, star it, do whatever you need to do so when you open your Bible, you pull out your phone, you know where this verse is because this verse is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It's all inspired, it's all God's word, but there's some verses that are a little more important than others. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound right, but it is. Because there's some verses that it's important, it's inspired, it's in the Bible for a reason, but that verse is telling you about so-and-so's ancestor, and it's in there for a reason, but that verse isn't this verse. Listen to this verse again. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account. In other words, we, we think we can just say whatever, and, and it's all good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just say it, say it spray it, bam, I'm, and done. It's, it's over with. It's, it's no big deal. This verse says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. So there's a positive first, thank you, God, and then a negative. What if we really grasp this truth? What if we really embrace this truth? What if we lived in such a way that this wisdom changed our life because we said, you know what? Man, I'm gonna harness my tongue because my tongue has the power to what does it say here? To accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Tuesday night, the president of the United States of America, President Barack Obama, will be speaking to the nation about Syria and what's going on. And I want to hear what he has to say. 
And, and can I just say this? Um, you know, we do not, don't get political here, but can I just say something? Um, we need to pray for our president. If you don't like him, get over it and pray for him. It doesn't matter who the president is. None of them are perfect. There's no perfect Democrat, and there's no perfect Republican, there's no perfect don't know what they are, and there's no perfect independent. There, that, the answer's not in the White House. The answer is in the big house. And Michigan fans, it's a little bit bigger than your house. It's the big house. But I'm interested to hear his words because at his word, I know his words will be measured and weighty, and his words can accomplish much. Are you with me? He has power. Do you realize that you and I have the same power because of this thing right here? It's powerful. It's so powerful. The Bible says it only takes a spark to set off a forest fire. I grew up with a kid. He was crazy. Um, they were just wild, out of control. They were boys and all boys and lived out in the woods. And, and they did some crazy stuff. And they would come to school and brag about it. And I'd hear about it on the, on the um, ride to school. One time, they, they uh, I'm not... Certainly not encouraging any of this, so please don't get me wrong. But um, they, they had chickens, and they threw a chicken in the dryer and um, thought that would be funny, and they turned it on and left it on. The mother was doing laundry, and then she came and opened to get the clothes, but there was a dead, hot chicken. And um, that was just crazy. Like, these were these kind of kids. But I, out of everything they did, I don't think anything was crazier than on a Sunday morning during church, his dad's a pastor. He was playing with fire, and they went out went out to the field, and they lighting a, a match and just goofing around, and they lit the field on fire while his dad was preaching. Like, his dad was on fire that day, literally. Uh, he came in, and dad was preaching. He's like, Dad, 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 I got to tell He's preaching. Hey, son, sit down. Be quiet. You know, I'm preaching the word. <laughs> you know, I'm on fire for God. Sit down over here, son. He's like, no, you don't understand. It's on fire. And, and trucks and all that stuff, and just crazy. And I'll never forget that story. It's because of a match. And the Bible says here, it only takes a spark, something small, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Man, we say we're driven to change the world. God says, by our mouth, your mouth, you think you're a nobody? He says, you got the power in your mouth to change the world from your mouth to ruin it. To turn harmony into chaos. And when I read that harmony into chaos, I think about this uh, preacher of old. That, I mean, he had someone in his church. And, and this kind of old-fashioned type of church. And he had someone, as a lady in his church. And, man, she was just always running her mouth. And she was always criticizing him. She was always talking about him. She was just being negative. Just always chat, 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 chat. Just always doing this. Always tearing him down. And he was just, she was just kind of thorn in her flesh, in his flesh, excuse me. And, he, you know, he had prayed, you know, Lord, remove that thorn. <laughs> and call her somewhere else. <laughs> Bless her to another church, you know. But she stayed in the church, and she just talked. She was a gossiper. She was just, oh, just, man, her problem was her tongue. And he preached a real hard message right here, man. Preach about the tongue, and you need to repent. You need to get right. And she came under conviction. I mean, hello, everyone in the church knew who the message was about, right? And so she came forward, and she came forward. She, 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 she just cried. And she meets a preacher down front, and, and uh, you talk about the wrong, you know, place the word out of your mouth at the wrong time and turning harmony into chaos. He greets her, and he, you know, he's right there, and he's like, sister so-and-so, why'd you come forward today? And she's like, it's in my tongue. It's, 
It's horrible. I'm so negative and preacher. I've gossiped about you and all this stuff he knew was true. He knew it was true. And, and she said, I'm just I'm convicted today. And I just want to lay my tongue on the altar. And the old pastor said, um, sister so-and-so, our altar's not that big. It's, it's, it's not that big. And placed the wrong word at the wrong time. I don't know if your mouth ever gets you in trouble or not. But his mouth did right then and turned harmony into chaos. And look what the Bible says. You can throw mud on a reputation. You can send the whole world up in smoke and you can go up in the smoke with it. Go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Proverbs 18.21 says this. Highlight this. Write this down. Proverbs 18.21, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible says this. The tongue can bring either life or death. Life or death. Your tongue is your remote. And we love this, man, because we can take it. We can turn things quick. We don't have to get up. We don't have to do the whole thing. We got it right here. I can turn the volume down. I can change the channel. I can record. We love it right here. It's handy. It's in our hand. We want it. We know we need control of the remote control because whoever has control of the remote control decides what they're going to watch, right? You ever go to someone's house, and they're watching TV, and they flip, 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 and they keep flipping? You're like... I can't even watch anything. They're just going from one thing to the next thing, and you're like, ah, that bother any of you here? That rub any of you the wrong way, right? What would it be like if we said, you know what? We're gonna get control of our tongue, and we're gonna realize that this thing is either our greatest accessory or our worst enemy, our tongue right here. I have a dream came from a tongue. Tear down the walls came from a tongue. It is finished. It came from a tongue. Our tongues are powerful. And that verse says, the tongue can bring either death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You know that Proverbs actually tells us that those who know a lot say little. Right? Like if you're good in sports, whatever that sport is, right? If you're good in that, you don't have to brag, right? Like, you can be confident, but you don't got to be cocky. Like, you let your game do the talk. Are you with me? Right? Like, that's how, that's how you do and, and so it is in life that, that, that when we get our tongue under control, we don't have to go around praising our own self, telling other people how great we are. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger not your own lips. We don't have to do that. The proof's in the pudding. Right? We leave it on the court. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Man, I got to be around a, a gentleman. He's in his 70s, and he is one of the most uh, incredible people I know. It's so full of wisdom. And just being around him, I would notice uh, he wouldn't talk a lot, but he had so much to say. But he wasn't just, he wasn't going around like, yeah, no, no, no. Like you had to draw, you had to ask him, you had, then he would give it, but he didn't go around. He wanted a chatterbox but he was so full of wisdom. So I would spend time with him every week and I would ask him questions about raising kids and ask him questions about um, how to get my wife to put up with me, you know? And I, I would ask him questions about being a pastor and ask him all these questions because he was so full of wisdom, but I, I had to draw it out of him. He wouldn't just run around, run in his mouth because those who know much, Proverbs says, say little. Hmm. I want to share with you, we'll only cover five today. We're going to land the plane, and I just want you to uh, write these down. This will really help you, and, and it will convict 
um, us today. And, and today's, not a, today's not necessarily like a real good, feel-good message, you know, and we all live and, or leave and we're like, woo you know, hopefully, hopefully today being here, um, you connect with God and, and God is your joy and, and, that, and that's the thing. But I know this message is kind of heavy, but I think the word of God is kind of heavy. Are you with me? I think this word right here to us is, man, your tongue is powerful. And so next week, we're going to talk about five other symptoms of a toxic tongue, but we're also going to talk about our tongue being a life giver and the power of your tongue, and, and that would be more of a positive. But here, I, I just want to be honest. I want to talk about five symptoms today of a toxic tongue. You know, if you hang around with toxic people, you'll become toxic. And if you hang around people with a toxic tongue, before too long, you and I will have a toxic tongue. And God says, man, if you can control your tongue, you can control your life. Are you with me today? Like lean in. Like like if you and I could control this little member in our body, the strongest muscle in our body, if we could control this thing, we could control our income, our friends in a good way. I'm not talking about manipulation control, but I'm talking about we could control in a good our families. We could control the way that our children think about themselves. Number one is lying. Number one is lying. Proverbs has a whole lot, by the way, book of wisdom here. Proverbs has a whole lot to say about lying. I want you to listen to this. Proverbs chapter six, and I'm gonna read 16 through 19. And these scriptures won't be on here. There's there's a few, but if you wanna write down the reference and look it up on your phone later, I'd encourage you to do that. There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things he detests. Here it is, number one, haughty eyes. That means pride. A lying tongue, number two. Hands that kill the innocent, number three. We just saw that happen, right? A heart that plots evil, number four. Feet that race to do wrong, number five. A false witness who pours out lies. So it comes back to lying and a false witness, and a person who sows discord in a family. Out of the seven, three of them, three of them have to do with our tongue. God hates lying, and the truth is every one of us in here are liars, aren't we? And he's like, oh, I'm not a liar. Have you ever lied? How many lies do we have to tell to be a liar? Just one, right? Right? And you know what's crazy is we all lied when we were young, didn't we? Like, it started when we were really, really young. Like, Mom, I remember we had eggnog in the fridge, and that was set for a certain special time, and I knew there was eggnog in the fridge. I don't know if you like eggnog, brother, like eggnog, like it a lot. And I went in there, this probably elementary, I don't know, sixth grade, or my senior year, no, not really. But I went into the refrigerator, and uh, that, was, that was, you know, saved for later. And I remember going in there, and I remember chugging it in a hurry, because mom, she was like getting ready, we we're going somewhere, and, and the kitchen was by mom and dad's bedroom door. And so I'm, I'm trying to pound it out real quick, you know, but leave enough in there that they can't tell. It's real smart. And, and um, I put it back in there, mom comes out, and I remember her saying, man, did you drink it? Did you get the eggnog? I'm like, uh-uh. Not at all. And why do we do that? Because we don't want to get in trouble, right? Like, we just lie. You know, we got a milk, <laughs> eggnog mustache. I'm like, uh-uh, not me, right? I remember being a little kid, four years of age, going in the grocery store. Ma, ma, candy bar, candy bar. My, my mom said, nope, no candy bar today, not that. And so you know what I did? I did what any little kid's going to do, right? I took it, 
had the little bitty kid pockets, and I tried to stuff it in my pocket and kept my arm like this, and I'm walking out like this. I'm walking real weird. You know, we get in the car, and that was before people cared if you had a seatbelt or not. Car seats was like, what's that? You know, you just stood in the bed of the truck, you know, hanging on. Your dad's like, ah! You know, I mean, that was all a joke, you know? Now it's like NASCAR car seats, you know? I mean, it's all the deal. <laughs> Exhausting with three kids, right? But I remember, and I remember getting in there, getting in the floorboard of that green, ugly, nasty-looking car, and I remember eating that Hershey candy bar with almonds, man. I was chowing down, and my mom was driving. She's driving. All of a sudden, she smelled chocolate. She's like, Tim, did you, did you take that candy bar? Do you, you got chocolate? I'm like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Mm, I'm eating. I'm trying to finish this thing, and it's hot, right? It was like really, really hot. And it's melting all over me. And she said, Tim, get up here. And she does rear view mirror like this. And she's driving. She's looking in the mirror. And I come up like this. And uh, my eyes are real big. And she's like, Tim, did you, I'm going to ask you one more time, did you take that candy bar? I'm like, she, I'm going to ask you one more time, Tim, did you do it? And she flipped down. And there it was, rear view mirror, chocolate all over myself. I lied. Why did I lie? Because I was in trouble. Because I did something wrong. And we still do that as adults today, right? We do it in the business world. We do it all the time to cover us, and it's a white lie, man. Chill. Come on, preacher, lighten up. It's just a little. Come on, we just bend in it a little bit. God doesn't see it that way. God hates lying. Number two, division. Number two is division. Proverbs 6, 12 through 15, listen to this. Division. You say, what do you mean by division? I mean stirring up strife, stirring up trouble. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 through 15, the Bible says, what are worthless and wicked people like, they are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of the foot, or the wiggle of fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble, but they will be destroyed suddenly. Listen to this. There's some scary words up in here. Listen to this. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. Like, who wants to go there? That's how serious God takes the tongue when it comes to someone who causes division. That's one of our core values. Listen, listen. That's one of the reasons why one of our core values is community. We say here, we are a community of unity. We're not going to go around and divide. God hates that. God loves multiplication. He hates division. We're going to lift up. We're going to encourage. We're going to speak truth, speak life. We're not going to go around... And I want to tell you, if you own a business, listen to me. If you're a leader in whatever you do, be careful who you hang around and be careful who you hire and who you fire. Because here's the deal. If you got people working for you, with you, under you, however you want to look at it, if you've got people that they cause divisions, it will cost your company. It will cost you. It will cost your leadership. It will cost you financially. It will cost you relationally because the tongue is this little small thing and it can set the whole world on fire. The Bible says, God hates lying, he hates division. Number three, uh, gossip. Oh, we do this, we do this, right? We do this as Christians. Um, man, I, man, don't please don't tell anyone, man. I, I, please don't say anything to anyone, man. This, this is a burden on my heart. But we need to pray for so-and-so. Did you know what they just did? Did you know what they, did you know, did you hear? And we, we, we try to wrap it, 
It's really hypocrisy, but we try to wrap it with, man, we need to pray for someone, and then we go around, we talk about someone else. Gossip is horrible. God hates it. Man, all over Proverbs, God's attacking gossip. What is gossip? We'll be real clear here so we know what gossip is. Gossip is, is spreading intimate or private rumors or facts. It could even be the truth. If there's something my grandfather used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Put the safety on. Those of you that love to go hunting, you know you don't walk around, you know, you might don't walk around with the safety off. The safety's on until you're ready to pull the trigger. What, 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 what would it look like if you and I said, you know what, God, man, set, as David of old said, put a watch before my mouth, oh God. Lord, help us to keep the safety on. That's our takeaway today is that we will decide together. That's our action step together moving forward to say, I will keep the safety on, the trigger, because it will control my life and the lives of other people around me. Until I'm ready to pull that trigger, I'm keeping the safety on. I'm gonna measure twice, I'm gonna saw once. I'm gonna think about what I'm about to say twice or more before I say it because the tongue has the power to heal and the power to kill. Gossip is spreading intimate or private rumors or even facts if it's true about someone. It doesn't matter. Gossip is like this. When you go to someone and say, man, listen, I I wanna tell you about so-and-so. If so-and-so isn't there, and, and you have an issue with so-and-so, it's gossip if you're not talking to so-and-so. That's what it is. I heard a pastor that said this was crazy. He said someone came up to him and said, um, Pastor, I gotta tell you something about someone and, and I gotta tell you about this and they're doing this. And, and Or excuse me, that, thank you, Lord. That's what it was. Someone came up to him and was gossiping about another pastor in the same town. And I want you to know these other pastors in town, I prayed for them this morning. I know them by name. They're my friends. We're not in competition. Big church isn't the trophy. God getting the glory is the trophy. Us sending out as many people as we can send out to be Jesus followers is the trophy. It's not a number somewhere. You with me? I prayed for these guys this morning coming in. I prayed over, I prayed over Jeff at First Baptist. I prayed over my friend, the Pentecostal church. I prayed over my other buddy, the other side of town. I prayed over, praying over, believing God for Dale and great things over there and just praying over pastors. I love these pastors. Thank God, man, for the churches that God has put in this area. Some people asked me when we moved here to start the church, why are you starting a church there? I, I remember someone had the courage and I, it was awesome, but they said, why do you think Gulf Breeze, man? I mean, why would you start a church in Gulf Breeze? And I don't know if y'all know this, but, but this uh, this county has more churches, uh, ratio-wise, than any other county in the state of Florida. So why would we start another church where there's so many churches? And it's not because Gulf Breeze, Gulf Breeze needs another church. It's because America, Florida, Gulf Breeze needs a different kind of church, I believed. And I didn't know all the guys here, and they're doing a great work, but I thought, you know what? Man, why wouldn't we have another church that's saying the gospel that's giving life, that's healing and helping people, man. Like, why wouldn't we do that? I love the pastors in this city. I thank God for them. Love meeting with them and praying. I love it. Jack is one of my friends. I love meeting with Jack and talk, hearing about what God's doing in his life. I love to hear that. Well, this pastor had someone in their church come up and say, hey, I want to tell you something about pastor so-and-so. And he stopped the person right there. 
And he pulled out his cell phone and he said, hang on just a second, he's my friend. All right, let me put on speakerphone. Go ahead. What were you going to say about him? What he did was he stopped gossip right in the middle. Boy, gossip kills, doesn't it? You remember when we were in middle school and high school and people gossip about you? And you remember you ever played the game where you're in a circle and you tell someone something and then they got to spread the word and the next person, and then when you get to the very end, it's something totally crazy and different? That's what gossip does, and God doesn't like gossip because it hurts people. Two more and we're done. Slander, number four, slander. That's the cousin to gossip. It's closely related. And that is passing on negative information when we've heard something, but we really don't know if it's the truth. We do this sometimes with movie stars or, you know, man, my cousin's uncle, grandfather's brother, sister was at this concert and they saw so-and-so. Or, and we do, this, we do this about people that we don't know anything about them. And what we do is we slander them. Right, And you think about some big name professional athletes, even in this community and other places, it's so easy to do that, to, to say, man, I'm that person is this or that person, and it's cutting them. It's our tongue speaking death over them. That's slander, it's negative information that we've heard. We don't know if it's true or not. It's false. Many times it's very malicious most of the time. Proverbs chapter 10 has something to say about it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18 says this. It says, hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. And last but not least, man, the fifth um, symptom of a toxic tongue I wanna talk about today, the fifth one is breaking confidence. Maybe you don't go around lying. Maybe you don't have a problem slandering other people and throwing mud on their reputation. Maybe you don't do that. But maybe you just can't keep your mouth closed. Maybe you, you just, when you hear a secret, you got to tell someone. It's like, it's like money in your pocket is burning a hole and it got to get out. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you got to tell somebody. The Bible has something to say about it. Proverbs 11, verse 13, the Bible says this, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Have you ever betrayed someone's confidence? They came to you. They told you something. You went to someone, I think we probably all have, right? But you went to somebody and you told them, you're like, man, don't, please don't say a word to anyone. It's super important. This is ultra, man, this is huge, man. Please don't say a word. Please, 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 please promise. You won't say a word. I gotta tell you this. And you tell them. And then the problem is they told someone else. And then when the story plays out, so-and-so told so-and-so who told so-and-so who told so-and-so, and and then the person that came to you found out that you were the one that started it. Have you ever done that? Boy, doesn't that hurt? Isn't that a nasty, bad feeling when that happens to us? And God doesn't want you to live like that. God don't want you you to see someone else, and then you feel bad about them wherever you're at because you know you said stuff about them because maybe you have unforgiveness in your heart towards them, and that's what keeps making this thing bubble up. Just keep talking bad about them, talking bad about them. God's like, no, 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 no. Our tongues are the remote, and they control our lives. And my challenge for me and all of us today is to take a step together to say, you know what? I'm gonna keep the safety on. And before I pull the trigger, before I just talk, I'm gonna be careful. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to think. Because you know words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt someone. 
And if we're not careful, we hurt our spouse. If we're not careful, we can hurt our children with the very words, the people we love the most. We can speak death instead of speaking life. Next week, here's where we're gonna pick up. We're gonna talk about the other five and there's one of them in there that you're not gonna wanna miss because you've always thought of it this way, but next week you're gonna hear it a little bit different than probably what we think about it and it's powerful because we all do it. And so if we know what not to do, we know what to do. And we'll, we'll finish up next week with speaking life and how the tongue, when we leverage it, how the tongue can create good things in our lives, how our tongue can actually control our lives if we'll control our tongues. Heads bowed, if you would, just for a minute. I just wanna ask you a question. How many here today, you'd say, Tim, I'll be honest with you. Man, I, this just kind of, wow. Um, you know, I just, I feel convicted. You know, we, we, we don't want anyone to come here and, you know, guilt's not from God, conviction is. Conviction means that God's speaking to your heart. Conviction means that God's trying to draw you out, make you better, make you bigger, healthier. But how many of you would say today, you say, Tim, I really battle with this. And whatever of the five symptoms it is, you know what it is. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need an aha moment, a holy aha moment for God to show you, man, you're a liar and everyone knows it, but you. Everyone doesn't buy into a word you say because they all know they can't trust what you say. You're a liar. Maybe God needs to reveal that to the people in here today. Maybe that's you and you need to repent. You need to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And God, help me. Help me not to be like that. God, help me to keep the safety on. Please help me, Lord. Maybe it's discord, division, man. Maybe it's whatever it is. You say, man, I'm struggling in that area. I want to ask God for help today. And we don't count hands here. And, and, you know, there's nothing like that. But when you raise your hand, you know, no one's looking around. But when you raise your hand, it's just kind of like a, a step of honesty to God to say, God, here's, here, here I am. Anyone in here honest and courageous enough to say, I'm, I'm battling with one, if not more of those things? And God, I need your help. Would you raise your hands all over this room? Man, hands are all over the room today. And my hand is up with you. The Bible says none of us are perfect. And if we were perfect, it's because we could control the tongue. You can put your hands down. I want to pray over you. And God, with the, my friends here today and our family, we've raised our hands and said, God, help us with our tongue. Help us not to speak death over people. Help us to speak life I can't wait till next week, God. I wanted to finish it today, but I'm just not going to do that. We should land the plane here. But, but Lord, man, you've given us a secret here where, where we can speak life. Help us to do that. Help us this week. Watch us. Help us to watch our mouths. Help us to realize before we say something, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I probably shouldn't say that. That's not the wisest thing to say. Might get me in the hot seat real quick. Might hurt somebody. Yeah, I will have spoken my mind, but it may have hurt someone. And I need to say the truth, but I need to say it in love. And grace always precedes truth. And Lord, we need your help with that. Help us, Lord, to be Jesus followers when it comes to the way that we apply this wisdom, the skill of living in the area of our tongues and our mouths. We pray in Jesus' name.